0: Amen. This morning, I would uh, like to invite you to to turn in your Bibles to Matthew uh, 21. Uh, If you don't have your Bible, there's one underneath the seat in front of you. Matthew 21, the page is not going to come up for this one. Matthew 21, I don't think so. But anyway, Matthew 21, this is a different uh, version of what uh, Sam Good just read in the triumphal entry. So this is out of Matthew, Matthew's version, Matthew 21, 1 through 11. I would just like to read it to you. I, I just think that these words are so poignant and we're going to talk about them today. And uh, and so I just uh, want to read them one more time. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on uh, the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them bring, and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what is spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and put uh, and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches going to stop there. And I just want to say that this is perhaps one of the most layered passages in scripture. So much, so much more is happening than what appears on the surface. There is more, there is more going on than Jesus entering the final stage of his work on earth, which is done in humility as well as majesty. There is so much more. And this morning, I would just like to unpack this passage to you. There's going to be a number of components here that I will just work our way through. There are scripture references that are there. Um, The references will just come up, not the passage. I will read those for you this morning as we go. And as we begin today, we just want to talk about what is happening in this triumphal entry that is so important for us today. And the first thing that I want to say is fulfillment. That is so important for us to understand fulfillment. In this moment, Jesus is very aware of who he is and what he has been called to do. He knows that he is the direct fulfillment of holy and ancient prophecies. I think of a passage in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, 3, through, uh, 3 through 4 that says this For I delivered to you as of first importance. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and He was buried, He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Did you catch what I said? With accordance with the Scriptures. All that has been written is pointed to this one point in history. He is acting not with random spontaneity, but with a careful sense of who he is and the detailed specifics of what he has been called to do. Matthew 26, 24 says, the son of man goes as it is written of him. Again, as we think of fulfillment, folks, everything, everything in history, everything that is that God has planned from before the foundations of the world are coming to its fulfillment right here. And it is so important for us to understand. Sometimes we can read this and go, that is such a nice story. But my friends, this is fulfillment taking place not only before the eyes of the Jewish people, but for you and I today as we read it some 2,000 years later. Fulfillment is taking place. Jesus Christ is not caught up in the moment, but rather motive, motivated by an ancient sovereign plan that he would be in this moment, at this place, doing these specific things. His heart is not motivated uh, by popular acclaim, but by the will of his Father. What he does and what he directs his disciples to do is done with a spirit of calling and submission and active obedience. My friends, Jesus Christ is fulfilling Scripture in this moment of time. And we need to catch that. We need to understand that. We need to embrace that moment. When life is throwing us curveballs, when life is not working the way we would like to see it happen, please understand this. God, through His Word, through His Son, is fulfilling his plan. The second word that I want to bring to your attention today is humility. Jesus riding on a donkey, on the colt of a donkey, is not playing to the crowd here. We need to understand that he's not playing to the crowd. He is the King of kings, he is the Lord of lords. He has come to sit on the throne of David to set up a kingdom that will nev- that will have no end. Yet, at this moment, it's not about him. It's not about how big the crowd is or how much the crowd loves him. It's not about how, how, how exuberant their celebration is. In Zechariah 9.9, it says, Behold, your king is coming to you. Did you catch that? To you. He is coming to you righteous, listen to what I'm going to say, and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This moment is about one thing, folks, please catch this today. This is what it's all about. Easter, the Holy Week, is not about family getting together. It's not about egg hunting. It's not about chocolates, folks. Here it is right here. The redemptive mission that, was, that is the reason for his birth, his righteous life, everything that he taught, every miraculous act, his final trip to Jerusalem, his trial, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. That is what this moment is all about. He did not come to collect followers who would deliver fame and power to him. He came to seek and to save that which is lost, Luke 19, verse 10. That is what it's all about, folks. And to do that, folks, please hear what I'm going to say. And to do that, he was willing to humble himself. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, was willing to humble himself Suffer and die. Catch this. The greatest man who ever lived was also the humblest man who ever lived. Humble. Humility. But on the balance of that is majesty. On the balance of that is majesty. At the very same time, this moment in the life of Jesus is colored with Glory and and majesty. This is the king of kings. This is the promised Messiah. This is the son of David. Here uh, here uh, comes a conquering king. That is who is coming, a conquering king. In Jude 25, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. folks from the from the horrible moment of disobedience in the garden of eden all the way back from the beginning of humanity humanity has cried for the coming of the king but catch what's happening here he came to defeat what we what you and i cannot defeat He is coming to give you and I what you and I cannot earn. He is coming. His coming was to reign forever and ever. And in his reign, he fixes everything that sin has broken. That is why he came. That is why this week is so important for us. He has not come, folks. He has not come to defeat physical kings or to set up an earthly kingdom. He did not come to bring down Rome and to sit on Rome's, on, on Caesar's throne. That is not why Jesus came. He will not deliver, deliver less than this, but indefinitely more. Please understand that. You see, folks, sometimes we are so short-sighted. We want, we want freedom now, right? Don't we? We want peace right now. And Jesus came to deliver peace and to deliver freedom, but it is not on, in this in this place and in this world and at this time. Not the peace and the freedom that we are looking for. We just want ease of life. Now Jesus is coming to set up a global and eternal kingdom. That will result in a new heavens and a new earth where peace and righteousness will reign forever and ever and ever. That is what he is coming. That is why he came. In the way that he came. In this moment, the king has come to take his rightful place. As the king of kings. But catch what I'm going to say today. He has come in this form and in this way to take his rightful place in our hearts. Folks, that's what it's all about today. Jesus came to die. He was buried. And yes, he would rise again. But he came and he paid the price for our sin so that you and I through faith and believing in him by that faith would be saved from eternal damnation. He came so that he might be the king of your life and mine. Folks, if he's not the king of your life, he will never be your king forever, the way that you would like him to be. And so there's misunderstanding. There's misunderstanding. There was misunderstanding there. You've you heard it read twice, you now, Who is this person? That's what the Jews were asking. Who is this guy? After three years of preaching and proclaiming and raising people from the dead and have it Doing miracles and all the things that he did, he comes in on this donkey, on this colt of a donkey, and they say, who is he? There's misunderstanding. Folks, I challenge you this, this week, read Isaiah 53. Read it before our Tenebrae, our Good Friday service. Read it. It is his job description of why he came. Read that whole passage, Psalm 53 or Isaiah 53. You see, the crowd had no idea who Jesus actually is and and what he really uh, had come to do. They cried, Hosanna. And here's what it means. Lord, save us. Lord, save us. Okay? But the salvation, again, that they are looking for is temporal. It is political. They think that Jesus will set up an earthly kingdom that will break the back of Roman rule. That's what they really believed. This is why Jesus cannot be distracted by the flattering desire of the crowd around Him. Do you catch that? Because Jesus knows the heart of people and how fickle they can be. He knows your heart today and He knows my heart. And He knows how fickle that we can be. He knows how, how sh- uh, far short we sell ourselves. In our desire for peace. In our desire for um, what would make us happy. He knows the heart of man. And so he does not play into that heart. And though on the road to Bethany, he was heralded by cries of Hosanna. Folks, please, as you prepare your heart for this week, please know that, that just a few days later in Jerusalem, he will be cursed by the same people. And these same people will cry out, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! We have no king but Caesar. Sometimes it's easy to read the story and think, Well, the people that said Hosanna weren't the same people that did that. No. They were the same. There's a song that we sing, It was my sin that nailed Him there. Folks it wasn't just then that these words would be cried out. It is now. There's misunderstanding. You see the crowd the crowd seeks the fulfillment of prophecy but but they look to things that that they don't fully understand. Jesus came not to take momentary power, but to die in order uh, in order to deliver eternal life. and folks here it is, it is power. Over death, power over sin. Only Jesus can deliver that. Only Jesus can deliver that. His crown, then, at this time, would, as we prepare ourselves for this holy week, his crown would be made of thorns and his throne would be the cross. Soon the voices of the celebrants would be silenced and he would be reviled. This too, please understand this too would fulfill what the prophets had spoken. Folks, all of Scripture, all of your Bible points to this time. It's high time that we embrace God's Word for what it really is. Not only was there a misunderstanding, but but then we find another word that I I just I I, I, I'm humbled by this word because the word is servanthood. Just servanthood. And Jesus uh, said of himself, the son of man came not to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We know the story that during this the last Passover time that. That after the, the supper that Jesus got up from the table and he took off his robe and he put on a garment and he began to wash the feet of his disciples. He knew full well Jesus knew full well that the only path, the only path to final kingship was death. Did you catch that? The only path. To final kingship was his death. But he was willing. That's the thing that we, as we read scripture, he was willing. He would do nothing less than give his life so that we might have life. Yes, he is the king. But he rode into Jerusalem to be the lamb. This is the final sacrifice for sin that we, that we see just the beginning as he comes into Jerusalem. And he did it with joy that was untainted by regret of any kind. I love the passage in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is also yours in Christ Jesus. You catch that, folks? In the same way that Jesus entered Jerusalem, in the same way that he washed his disciples' feet, in the same way that he willingly sacrificed himself on the cross, in the same way that he willingly gave up his life, in that same way, have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's not yours because you can make it up. You catch that? Which is yours in Christ Jesus. Which means you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to have Christ in you. But here it is Folks, we remember in the garden, as you read through the Holy Week, you will find Jesus with three of his beloved disciples further out from the rest. And as Jesus goes out even a little bit further into the garden, he said, Lord, if you can take this cup from me, please do so. But then he says these words, not my will, but thine be done. He willingly did what he did. He was not just a servant but your servant as he washed the feet of Peter was going to wash the feet of Peter and Peter said no way you ain't touching my feet and Jesus and Peter and then and then you know and then Jesus says to him look if I don't touch your feet you have nothing with you have nothing to do with me and Peter says whoa whoa Not just my feet, but my hands and my head. And Jesus says, no, you are already clean. The servanthood of Christ is our model, folks, that you and I live in the body of Christ even today. Now there's another word that is just a fascinating word that I want to point out, and these are all things attached to the triumphal entry, and it's eternity. The focus on the crowd is on the present. Do You catch that, folks? the The focus of the crowd is on the present. Can you relate to that? We're so right now oriented, right now, right here. Lord, what's what, what is it for here? Right now, right here, while the eyes and the heart of the one on the colt are focused on eternity. You see, here's the thing, and Jesus said these very words. He could have he he. He had the power. He had the power right now to become the king. He could have called angelic armies to preserve his life and to crush his enemy. Matthew chapter 26, 53 says, Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and that he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? Don't you think I have that power? He could have exercised that power for his own Escape. But he knows the result would be humanity's eternal doom. Please let that resonate in your heart today. For Jesus to bypass the will of the Father and to go to that cross would be to damn humanity for eternity. And he knew that. With the forces... Now pressing on him, he focuses, uh, he, uh, he comes with forever in view. With forever. He comes with forever in view. He comes to gift the walking dead with life that would never end. And nothing would stop him from completing his mission. So the final ride of of humility and triumph on a borrowed coat, uh, colt, was a ride to the city of his death. Every aspect was done with generations of souls who would put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He rode to his death so that we would reign in life with him forever. He did what he did so that the world made new again would then begin to, would be able to sing Songs of Hosanna to Him forever and ever and ever. So what was very short-lived on this day and, and the triumphal entry would be done forever. So if you're going to sing, then you must believe that Jesus Christ was the only one worthy to take your place on that cross on that day. You must believe that today. In Revelations chapter 5, here's a time of singing that will happen again. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And all God's people said, Amen. Folks, there is only one person who could fill all that took place during this week that we call Holy Week. And His name is Jesus. And He did it for you. I'm going to invite you to stand. And I'm going to invite Dennis Staub to come and read a passage of Scripture dealing with the heart of man, and then we'll continue uh, with our song after that. So we'll watch the standing.
1: I'll be reading Psalm 12. Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all the flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us. Who is master over us? Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will not now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in a safety which he belongs. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side, the wicked howl, as vileness is exalted among the children of man.
0: As the people stood in the courtyards of Pilate, Pilate Speaks to Jesus.